0: You're going to have to make sacrifices to play this special game. You only can play for so, so many amount of years, then you're done. But those great memories that you have from it, I mean, I always cherish that. I,
1: I don't think the LSU corner, singly is going to be there. I do not believe Oregon uh, edge guy Thibodeau is going to be there. It all adds up to
2: what is going on welcome to episode number 141 of the minnesota vikings podcast my name is gabe henderson alongside jay nelson tatum everett cannot be here because jay she has more important things to do like being in
3: vegas at the 2022 i 100 endorse her ability <laughs> to go to las vegas i think that's going to be an amazing experience this weekend coming up here for the draft yep. in las vegas all of the Social media and everything you're seeing right now just looks amazing. And mm-hmm. I can't imagine some of the stories she's going to come back with. So I look forward to seeing what her reporting is there mm-hmm. from Vegas on the ground for the NFL draft.
2: Yeah, I think she's doing like four or five things and she's excited about it. And I, I know she would like to be here, but we're all excited for her to be out there getting some live stories, getting some content. And I guess bringing the the Las Vegas experience to Minnesota Vikings fans. And we're going to try to bring that here too, Vikings fans. If you're not going to be in Vegas, you can join us right here at U.S. Bank Stadium for the 2022 Miller Lite Draft Party. You can experience the 2022 NFL Draft on the field at U.S. Bank Stadium and bring your crew for a night of entertainment Las Vegas style. Celebrate the newest member of the Minnesota Vikings with live KFAN coverage and appearances by current and Vikings legends. And the doors open at 6 p.m. So for more information on tickets, head on over to Vikings.com for more updates and we're looking forward to seeing you there that night. Jay, we we, we have a very interesting show today. It's we, amazing. Like, we we are going to talk to a lot of people, five people in particular. But a lot of people know about the Paul Allens, the Pete Burses, Ben Liebers, Ron Johnsons of the world that are going to be joining us. But we're going to start this show a little different today. I know Vikings fans probably clicked on the link because of the picture that they saw. But without further ado, let's, let's talk to one of the most popular, famous players, Hall of Fame players in Minnesota Vikings history. I'm talking about legendary Hall of Famer defensive tackle, John Randall. Whoa, well, now we have the pleasure of being joined by one of the most popular figures in the Minnesota Vikings community, the one and only John Randall. How's it going?
0: Skull, 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 <laughs> brother. Skull, skull. All
2: right, so we were watching a video off camera and it's basically um, former defensive lineman coach Andre Patterson who was here when you were playing back in the, the 90s. And he yeah. basically told a story about every warm-up used to come in the locker room. Yep. And I guess after you worked out, you, your, your head was just steaming with water. Yeah. So he basically explained it that after you did your crazy warm-up, yeah, you would aunties. go in and just – your ancestors said you would throw hot water on your head.
0: Okay. Yeah, it's true. Okay. So the reason behind that was – most guys they wear they wore shirts underneath their pads, mm-hmm. and I tried to do I tried to wear a shirt, and I just couldn't get comfortable with the shirt, so I didn't wear anything underneath it. And I would put like petroleum jelly, making <laughs> trying to stay loose. And after I went through warm up, I would come out of it. I'm still feeling tight, so putting some hot water down there would loosen everything up. Mm-hmm. So my biggest thing, a reason I was going through all my antics was trying to get my shoulder pads to feel as if it was a practice, just mm-hmm. to be more comfortable. And um, that was just part of the things <laughs> that I did. And for me, I'm a very superstitious person. Mm-hmm. So I have to stick to my routines. And for me, that that was part of my routine. And man, it, it was a lot. It, it, I mean, I had so much stuff I would <laughs> do. Uh, for instance, like, Before the game, back then, they would have the program guys. I don't know if they still do, but they had them in all the chairs. Mm -hmm. So I felt as if in the program guide that – and one that was in my chair was basically not – it was bad vibes. Mm -hmm. So I would take my program guide and go down to Mike Morris, the long snapper at the time, or some other person who didn't know it. I would take their program guide and switch it, then take the program guide and – rub it all over me, <laughs> tap me, and get the good vibes. And so it was part of my antics because mm-hmm. I got to the game early because Randall McDaniel always got to the game like three to four hours early. And so mm-hmm. Randall was like my, Randall and Scott Stutwell were my mentors and they always did things early. So I got there early. Man, I got the right jujus from that program mm-hmm. guy. Man, I was ready then. But
2: that was part of my thing, yeah. I respect that. I mean, even Andre Patterson said you didn't like being touched before the games, and then he touched you one time, and okay. you kind of went off on him, and then you had three sacks that game. Yeah. And he was like, all right, you got to touch me every game from here on out. Yeah, it
0: it, it, it it started out. So we had this coach before Andre got here, this coach named John Turling. God rest his soul. So, so J, uh, JT had these weird things like – JT was like a coach out of like out of Chicago or somewhere. Mm-hmm. He goes, listen, guys, there's this country, I don't know where, but in this country that I don't know where, there's these cows walking down the street, and the people can't touch them. The cows are sacred. He goes, these people are starving, man. They are got their bellies out, whatever. But these cows walk down the street, and these cows are sacred. Mm. He said, you can't touch them. We have to think of ourselves as sacred cows. So when for the game, no one can touch you. Don't let anyone because they're trying to take your soul. So that was part of our antics, and so we we all went there. And throughout the week, the practice, someone would come up to you trying to <laughs> touch, take your, yeah, touch <laughs> you and take your soul. So that was our thing, man. John. I- Like,
2: these stories are just second to none. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you were able to turn it on, turn it off, and still be a great, I mean, one of the best defensive linemen in the history of the league, how did you balance that out with, you know, being the student of the game that you are too?
0: Thank you, first of all, for saying that. Um, For me, that's why once I got to the game, I mean, that whole week of practice, I had to – it took that week for me to get into to be that John Randall – on the field because being, I couldn't be that person off the field. Mm. I couldn't be wiry and all that off. It's, it's, it, it's trains you. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it, it, it's me from where it's to who I was on that field every week in my locker. I, in my locker, I had a picture of my old house I grew up in. Mm. So when I got on the field, man, I played like, like I was still living in that house that I grew up in. Mm. You know, we didn't have indoor water. We didn't have an indoor bathroom. We barely had like four windows. I mean, our house was probably the size of a two car garage. And so for me, when I got on that field, all that came to me and was like, okay, for you to succeed on this field, you got to bring all that anger hmm. for what you didn't have and what, and what you want to do to succeed in life on this field. Hmm. And so, that's what i did and but once i came off that field man i was just be drained mm-hmm. and and just want to relax but i just couldn't be that person off the field and for me it's just who i was but i mean when i'm off the field i mean like right i mean like today i love doing puzzles i love playing chess mm-hmm. i love watching like shows like jeopardy i like playing <laughs> golf and golf i i would have never attempted to play golf when i was a football player because mm-hmm. i couldn't do it i couldn't focus and so it's a
2: thinking man's game
0: oh man the thinking man's game it's a patient game and i mean you know first time i played it i'm like the ball's right there ball's not moving you just got to hit it mm-hmm. but i couldn't and so to be that person who was on the field i mean and that's why i can only play 14 years mm-hmm. uh you know, most guys when they retire, most of them are like, "Man, my my, my legs." This mm-hmm. me it was my mindset because mm-hmm. I was done. Um, a friend of mine named Anielis Williams. He and I was on on a bus together, and this guy, some fan, was on the bus with us, and he asked me, Anielis, and several other guys, he, he said, uh, "Do you miss it? Do you miss the game?" I was like, "No, mm-hmm. I don't miss it all, man. You don't miss." I said, "Dude, I left it all out there, 14 years." where every day I was coming 110% practice or walkthrough because to me, to play this game or be a part of a, such a special game, you have to play it that way. You mm-hmm. have to give it your all because you're not just playing for yourself. There are people out there who are watching the game, who want to be on that field, who want to play it. Mm-hmm. Just There's so many people who will give their right on to play one season, one game, yep. And so, for me, that's the way I wanted to approach the game. Give it my all. Don't leave nothing. Leave no regrets.
3: John, when it comes to that mentality and going from essentially being one of the most famous undrafted rookies to getting to the Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio, what kind of advice can you give to the rookies that are either going to be drafted or undrafted coming up here this weekend?
0: One of the biggest things I would tell them that you're going to have to make sacrifices. To play this special game, you're you're gonna have to always I think, like for instance, uh I was talking with I heard Bill Parcell's telling Lawrence Taylor this story, or they were talking about it. And one of his first things he told the guys was, Bill Parcell said it was at nighttime. He tells the guy, look out look out your window. See all those lights? The guys like, yeah. He goes, You can't turn off all those lights. He goes, those lights will be on when you leave here. so guys have to remember that. You can't try to be that person who lives that nightlife of being out yeah. being there because this game is too hard. Too hard mental, mentally and physically on you. And so you have to sacrifice telling your buddies, y'all go ahead. You guys go enjoy it. I'm going to get my enjoyment out of this, out of this special game. Because you only can play for so, so many amount of years then you're done. But those great memories that you have from hmm. it, I mean I always cherished that and the guys I who I played with and that knew me and knew how I played it understood that I wanted to give it my all mm. because I walked on this game saying hey you know I just want a chance to play and and God gave me a chance and man I wasn't going to go out there and just half ass I want to give my 110% mm. you know for the Vikings or Seattle I play for but It was all about that. And so I tell guys coming in this game, man, come into it and realize that it's an honor and a privilege to play such a wonderful game that means so much to so many people. Mm. And to remember that, that the little things that you might think that are important, they are important about this game.
3: Is that something, too, that as you get older, as a veteran playing the game or even after it, that you realize is so so special about it because yeah. once the physical is gone, the mental is yeah. the thing that can keep you there. Yeah. Eventually, the physical just catches up, catches up with you too much. Yes. And then at at that point, you have to have that honest conversation with yourself. Yeah,
0: you do because you say to yourself when you're out there, you're like, do you want to be out there and, and embarrassing yourself? Because you know it's 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 such like I said, it's such a wonderful game, but at some point, you you're, you're going to have to stop. Okay. And you're going to have to move on. And um, I, I play with such many guys that who had to answer that question themselves. And like I said, you say to yourself, man, can you give any more? Nope. that's it. And you walk away. But I, I get pl- so much enjoyment now out of watching so many younger guys come into this game. Um, I mean, from being at the NFL Combine, being a mentor and talking to these guys and telling them what they're, what they're in store for or telling them, you know what, what this game is going to ask you to do, day in, day out, and how you don't realize it, but there are people watching you yeah. who are just not just fans, but they want to be you and and are just in awe of you. But at the same time, you, you're going to make them want to play this game. So remember that,
2: yeah, John. I don't, I don't want to minimize your story, but from you know what a lot of people know from Montfort, Texas, um, went to a junior college yeah. coming out of high school. Didn't pick up the game of football until your ninth grade year, right? Yeah, and then you, you got to the bucket <laughs> undrafted. Yeah, yeah, and then had a trial with the Buccaneers. Your brother played for the Buccaneers, and then that didn't work out. The Vikings gave you a call. Am oh, I, am I, let me know if I'm missing something.
0: Uh, a little piece was first of all, I go, you know, I. Get not, I, I I get a phone call from Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I go down and work workout and they go, you out of shape. I'm like, dude, I run six miles a day, mm-hmm. every day, seven days a week. I'm not out of shape. I can I can, I can run with anybody at that time. And they were like, I, and, I, and they was like, well, we want you to stay around for a few days. I'm like, I'm out of <laughs> here. So I go down to Tampa and I'm there with my brother, who's one of my heroes. And he mm-hmm. was like, we're gonna put you on practice squad, make a linebacker out of you. I go, No, and God, there's something in my heart, man, which is, I always say, something that can't hear, can't can't speak, my heart was like, this isn't the place for you. Hmm. And I left Tampa, it was 85, palm (laughs) trees, beautiful weather. Come to Minnesota, it's snowing. (laughs) I'm in my hotel room and I'm literally crying, going, what am I doing, but I, and actually the next day, and I got to came to practice, and they thought I was a linebacker. That actually uh, put more doubt in my head. But I tell you what, coming here, man, I I, I won the lottery. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best place, I mean, the best place I could possibly want to play at was here in Minnesota. Mm. And um, from Frank Gilliam, Jerry Rico. Jerry Burns, oh my God, Tom Moore, <laughs> all those guys, I mean all those guys, Scott Stubwell, how they all played a part in me. Um Scott Stubwell, I never forget the first time I come to practice, man, I I got to practice at about 645.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Stubwell sitting in the hallway, legs crossed like he always is, has legs crossed, <laughs> sipping a cup of coffee. Where the hell you been at? <laughs> and from that point on, I was here every morning at 6 a.m. Oh, wow. And, but it was some of the things, the I mean, it was just mm-hmm. this organization was, like, for instance, one of the coolest things that not a lot of people remember this was my rookie year, the Vikings, when we was on the sideline, you you didn't, the antics that I used to do mm-hmm. before I first got here, you didn't do that. Everybody took their helmet. You took your chin strap and you put it underneath by your earpiece, an ear pad, you mm-hmm. folded it under and you held your helmet underneath your your, your armpit. Mm-hmm. That's what they used to do. And that was a tradition and that was the things that the Vikings used to do, but man, it was just, its to me, it's just a special organization mm-hmm. and uh, from the Purple People Eaters, Fran Tarkin to Chuck Foreman, I mean, man, it's just, I'm just so thrilled that this is where I made my home, this is where I was allowed to play and how color purple, man, mm-hmm. mean, just doesn't mean so much to the city with Prince, mm-hmm. but it means so much to the Viking organization, mm-hmm. it means so much to me.
2: And even on top of that, Purple Fridays is not a thing. Whenever oh, you post yes. about golfing, it's like, okay, we <laughs> <laughs> this is John Randall's Purple Friday. Would you?
0: Love it, man. <laughs> I can be, so many places I've been at, I've been at Pebble Beach, did a Purple Friday, and when I do my golf trips, I said to myself, I'm dressing like a DB. And you know what I mean. Uh, DB, yeah, pretty receiver, key. man, I got to go. Okay, I got to find out I'm going to get my outfit together. Oh, I got to make sure I got a purple shirt or something <laughs> in here, and I got to get a purple belt. Purple How many sign. purple shirts do you have? Man, that's a good question. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad you asked that question. Now, purple shirts, I must have at least, I'm going to take a guess, about 30. That's it? Nah, I'm nah, <laughs> that just purple. Then okay. I got I got some long sleeve purple shirts. Okay. Then I got some purple shirts with look, different colors in them. Mm-hmm. Uh I mean, it's and what's this one company just sent me some more swing juice or something like that? <laughs> yeah. Man, I it's probably more than that. My wife kinda looks at me sometimes <laughs> like, what are you doing?
3: <laughs> John, you're at the point though. Like in just in doing that, you're an ambassador for this team. Mm-hmm. And guys like Harrison Phillips and Jordan Hicks, when you showed them around the the museum, were just raving about your ability to do that. So like, how much do you embrace and love the ability to be an ambassador for the Minnesota Vikings in the I NFL? Love I
0: love it. This, man, this organization, man. This this I love the the history, and I love the the, the present, and I love the future of it. And I think I especially our future we're in the, I think we're in the right hands. And I'm so honored to be a part of it. And, um, I mean, God, it's just, I love living here in the Twin Cities. And, man, like, for instance, people ask me all the time, why do you live in Minnesota? You from Texas? I go, for the love of it, man. Mm-hmm. You love that place? I said, hey, there's be a lot of places I could be at. But I go, this place right here, coming into it, it wasn't just a job. This is home to me, and my family's from here. My God, I know everybody around here, from the mailman, postman, <laughs> gas station, covers, everything. everything. And and I've been here so long. I just I can relate to everything around here. Four seasons. I mean, that's no better time to play golf in Minnesota when when the leaves turn brown. Yep. But yeah, it's 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 just an honor to, to be uh, associated with this organization that I think has done so much, and just not for just for a guy playing it, I think for our fans, and just so much for the Twin Cities.
2: Mm. All right, John, I, I've always wanted to ask you this question. I asked Steve Uh-oh. Hutchison in this question. If you had field passes to any of your Vikings games, what game would it be?
0: Oh, man. Which one? Which one? Man, you know which one would be 1998, man. <laughs> man. If I could do one game over, that'd be that game right there. Okay. Oh, my But if
2: you God. had to just watch one game as a fan because oh, it was that good. I had to
0: watch a game yeah. that was that good?
2: Any of the games that you ever played in? Because oh I know God. that 98
0: game, if you had to do yeah. it all over again, you Play would it change all it. Over, but a game to watch. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, that's a good question. It probably would be— um,
2: Win, lose, or draw.
0: Yeah. It'd probably be uh, my first game mm. because— if I could go to that, go to that game, and I could talk to myself, things I would tell myself to, like, be, because my first game, I was nervous as can be. You know, I was a kid from a town of, of, of 150 people, and you put me in the Twin Cities, I'm in an NFL stadium, mm-hmm. and man, I was like a fish out of water. Mm-hmm. Then I was vulnerable, I was like, like a kid, you just dropped in New York City mm-hmm. and and like you're on your <laughs> figure own. Figure it out. Yeah, figure it out. And now and if I could go back and tell myself, like, hey, it's gonna be okay, man. That would have been it's like Jesus Christ coming down and talking <laughs> to me, man. If he could <laughs> Woo!
2: loved it, man. <laughs> you can't beat that. I mean, I feel like that the first game is always the the most memorable moment because that's the one that you can always say, This was the start. Yes. This oh, was the yes. start of whatever my, my career is gonna be. Ultimately, yours ended up ha- having a Hall of Fame career, but you got to start somewhere. Yeah.
0: I am I mean, I I think about, like I said, that first night I stayed in that hotel in Bloomington, mm-hmm. and it was snowing. And I was sitting there literally crying, going, oh, what am I doing? <laughs> what is going And if, some, if I could have knocked on a door, listen, it's going to be all right. Mm-hmm. You're in the right place. You're going to be okay. And I think I heard Steve Harvey talking about this. Sometimes you got to – Jump off, like get uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Man, I was uncomfortable. Got to take that jump. Yeah, take that jump. I was uncomfortable in that hotel room. And um, and what saved me also was my roommate, a guy named William Kursky. He saved me because mm. uh, William was from southern Mississippi. He went to the same school as Brett Favre. Okay. And uh, the first road trip, I think we were played on Monday Night Football. That I was already nervous, but... Funny, this is funny, so I got to tell you this funny story. So William, we're in the room. He goes, uh, man, somebody's going to call the room looking for me. I'm like, all right. So the phone rings. I pick it up. I'm like, who is it? I'm looking for Bug. I'm like, what? You looking for a bug? I'm looking for Bug. I hang up the phone. And then William goes, well, who was it? Man, somebody looking for a bug. Man, that's me. He goes, that was Pig. I go, what? That was Pig. What was he want? I said, he's. Somebody's in the lobby. So we go downstairs, <laughs> walk down the lobby. I'm looking around like, man, I don't see nobody but Charles Barkley. Mm-hmm. Man, that's Pig. Oh, <laughs> I said, well, that's Pig. So Rick Williams' cousin, first cousin was Charles Barkley. Wow. That's and, insane. Oh, and all he's doing is Pig, bug, pig, bug. Said, oh, my God.
2: Man. That is how— that is, That's that, a heck that's, of a story. That is a heck of a story, and that's how you end an interview with yeah, just a, a Charles Barkley— I guess an uh, inside joke that only two people know about yeah. that Vikings fans now have some insight yes, to. John, John Randall, we we appreciate it. Thank you for taking some time to sit down with us and, and talk to us ha- ahead of the draft. We got a lot of Vikings players coming in and looking forward to making an impact. A lot of this defensive linemen always say they want to be like John Randall, so it's uh, always good for you to race us with your presence.
0: Thank you. I, I Yeah, I was uh, every year I'm at the Combine, and this year, man, I had a, a crop of guys that I was really impressed with. Mm. A couple of them told me they are going to run four threes, and they ran four threes. Mm. But the biggest guy that was shocking to me is that kid from Georgia.
2: Oh, uh, Jordan Davis.
0: Yes, man, he ran a four six. And their, first of all, the scouts were like, "No, nah, that's a four seven. That's nah, a four seven Man, that dude ran a four six, mm. and he looked he looked like uh, Daryl Green running that thing smooth. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it, man, this year, for the drive,
3: Appreciate you, John, but we're looking forward to it. Thank you, John. We just appreciate everything you've done for this organization and for everything in, in the show, so thank you.
0: Skull baby!
2: If you look at what the Vikings fans are going to be in for this entire weekend, we have so much more to offer with all these analysts, all these experts recapping. What the Vikings will do on day one, day two, and day three. It's gonna be an exciting weekend.
3: Yeah. And I think, you know, going from a guy like John Randall, who was an undrafted player who can prove to you it doesn't matter where you get your start once you get your foot in the door, you got to make the most of your opportunity. I think a guy like John personifies that and just what he did from the road literally in in his, you know, small house in Mumford, Texas, to the the bust at Canton, Mm -hmm. Ohio. John is a a perfect example of what a player, what opportunity they can take and what they can turn it into. So it was great to be able to talk to John. I think the best part about draft weekend is it's the excitement of the possibility of what this could mean for the franchise. Mm -hmm. We're still at the phase where all 32 teams feel like I've got a shot to win the Super Bowl trophy this year. And it always feels like once you're done with free agency and you get to the draft time, that is the part where you start to say, here comes the young, fun, exciting talent yeah. we've been watching for three to four years in college. And now it's time to actually bring them onto your roster and see what they can do to help you out. It's Christmas in April. Yeah. I've I've always I always joke and say, All right, let's see what kind of presents we're going to be opening <laughs> up on Christmas morning because that is really what it feels like, especially that first round pick. If you've got yeah. one, there's always the excitement of I know these names because one, they've been talked about a ton. Mm-hmm. Two, the majority of them have been rolling through the combine but three, they are some of your favorite players and some of your favorite college teams that have excited you for years and years at this point. So, again, this weekend, yeah, it's very much like a holiday weekend. It's, yep. let's, let's wake up excited and you know <laughs> run downstairs and see what you got. Early mornings,
2: long nights, but all for the gift that is about to be presented to the Minnesota Vikings come Sunday when the draft is officially over i know there's going to be a lot of a lot of draft picks a lot of undrafted free agents selected uh will sign after the draft is over but this is a a very exciting time and i'm excited for vikings fans i mean it gets me excited just to be able to you know stay up late with you some of these other guys and be able to talk ball but more importantly i'm excited to stop to, to not have to preview the draft anymore as much fun as it was to be able to talk this whole preview process now these guys are here now we get a a I guess a glimpse into the identity of how Kevin and Kwasi thinks, because right now it's, it's a lot of questions because these guys have never been uh, in a position where they can make decisions on who they should draft. Granted, they've been in the rooms, but they never had a head coaching title or a general manager title. So, this will be fun, Vikings fans. should stay tuned to Vikings.com. As I said in the beginning, if you cannot make it to Vegas, you can join us for the 2022 Middle Light Vikings Draft Party at US Bank Stadium and bring your crew for a night of entertainment, Las Vegas style. Celebrate the newest member of the Minnesota Vikings with live KFAN coverage and appearances by current players and Vikings legends. The doors open at 6 p.m. And for more second information, head on over to Vikings.com. Jay, I, I know I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of Vikings fans. I probably won't be there the entire time. I'll, I'll be there for a couple of you know Fox 9 hits, and I'll be on KFAN for for a little bit. But afterwards, I'm, I'm headed back over to TCOPC because that's when the real work starts. We yeah. have
3: so much going on here. Yeah, it's a lot of fun just being able to be with everybody, and we're all kind of watching everything unfold real time. Mm-hmm. There's always the excitement of draft night. Draft party is always one of my favorite mm-hmm times of the year when you would go to draft parties, see all the fans getting excited again and just enjoying the KFAN you know, festivities as well as the NFL network coverage and just being able to watch PA and all the analysts be able to <laughs> break down what's currently happening and trying to essentially predict what's about to happen hopefully for the Vikings at this point at the number 12 pick. So that prediction of what the Vikings are going to do at the number 12 pick is always the fun part of the night. And then once it actually kicks mm-hmm. in, that's when all the chaos ensues. So it's it's a great weekend of football and the excitement that comes with the NFL draft. From all the talk that we have we have done over the past couple of weeks or past
2: couple of months at that, yeah. what are you most – I know you just talked about the draft party, but as far as – just the, the weekend in itself if you have to name one thing that you're most excited
3: about just coming out of the weekend what are you most looking forward to I'm looking forward to the fact that this is one of the times that as Vikings Entertainment Network I feel like we really try to shine mm. and it's not only you can get a, uh, analysis from anyone you can go to all these different sites and try to get as much information as possible on who we're going to pick who we might pick the, the predictions the analysts everything what we really pride ourselves on is once we do make those selections, being able to bring you interviews with that person, being able to talk to Quasi and to Kevin and try to get their insights on why they're excited about the new members of this team. And more than that, it's just being able to give you some of the inside behind the scenes information that you might not get anywhere else. So I'm always excited and usually exhausted on Sunday, (laughs) Because it's you know long days, long nights, but it's also the excitement that comes with it, and it's always worth it when you see the fans getting excited over uh, social media hits and tweets and podcasts and everything else that we're doing. Yeah. In the end, when the fans are excited about what's happening with this team, we always feel like it's it's well worth it.
2: It is going to be well worth it, and these this is this will be my first normal draft. I guess last year's draft was semi-normal, but we're still I guess we were in it was still weird. To, yeah, it was still weird. So. I'm just excited just to to be around good people all working towards a common goal from the business perspective to see these guys that are going to get selected look as well as they can before they get on the field. And, you know, when they get on the field, that's when it's go time. That's when our job really starts. So hopefully when they get here, it won't be as cold in Minnesota
3: anymore because I feel like this entire offseason has just been cold and raining and windy. It's been miserable. (laughs) I I think, you know, one thing that's going to be fun for you to see too here is as the years go on and you you see the people come in as rookies and kind of bright eyed and like, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, man, what's going on here? And then to see them grow as people and to see that development, that was always one of the things that I really enjoyed. My I've said it before, my very first draft that I was a part of. I had to go up and film on the stage at draft party at, at the old winter park. Mm-hmm. And that was the draft that we picked Adrian Peterson. So I, had, oh, wow. I was working for the organization for a month. Yep. And then we selected Adrian Peterson.
2: <laughs> Only the greatest running back in. And that was. And,
3: and so then, of course, in my mind, I'm like, oh, God, don't screw this up. You know, don't screw up the shot. But the better part was being behind the scenes. And at the time, having Greg Coleman and Ben Lieber and some some of those guys standing there behind the stage. And we're watching the draft happen and you're watching the picks go and we're trying to predict. And all of a sudden, you know, Arizona picks the uh, the, the lineman, and our eyes got big and we're like and, and they just literally went, oh, this is happening. You know, yeah. like this is going to happen again. The excitement of the chaos of the draft of the unpredictability and then the ability to see what kind of top tier talent you can get. It's just so much fun and drama. On that draft weekend, it's a lot of a lot of fun to watch.
2: Yeah, fun weekend ahead, Vikings fans. Stay tuned. I know we've had a lot of podcasts in the past couple of weeks, but I feel like the numbers are going to continue to stay high because fans love the, this kind of energy. Just going towards uh, a, a new a new era for Vikings football, and I think that is why we've seen um, such excitement around this building, such such excitement on Twitter, such excitement outside of this building. So.
3: Now it's go time. It's go time. And and the best part for me now is this is where all of your kind of final predictions start to happen, yeah. right? So this is the best part of, all right, let's put some pen to paper here and see what we got and see what people really think is going to happen this weekend. So the, the great part for us is we have some really great analysts and people that we work with, and there's a lot of really fun things that we've been able to do with them. But one of the best is always, all right, put some pen to paper and yeah. see what you guys think. And so we made sure that right here before the draft, on the, what, 48 hours to Mm -hmm. go window, we're at the point where they have to make their predictions. And full disclaimer, all
2: of these opinions are not opinions of the Minnesota Vikings. The Minnesota Vikings just allow us to have this platform to be able to provide fans with insight and perspective, which makes this podcast entertaining and exciting for the fans. So Voice of the Vikings, Paul Allen, Ben Lieber, Ron Johnson, and Pete Bursich, and we'll start things off with the guy that I just named last, Mr. Pete Burson. Now we move to the portion of the Minnesota Vikings draft preview podcast where we ask a couple of our analysts, what do they think the Vikings should do with the 12 overall pick? And I'm going to start with uh, a, a very good friend of mine and probably he probably wouldn't say the same for me, but a guy that I look to for advice <laughs> and looks to for a, a lot of Um, In-game conversation, even though he is talking on the mic, I guess analyzing the game, talking about former Vikings linebacker, former Vikings coach, now the Vikings radio analyst, Pete Burses. Pete, how's it going?
4: It's good. Now, Gabe, you got to be honest, you usually turn to me for a writing utensil because for some reason you're, you know, 30-some games in a booth, you just... (laughs) sometimes forget to bring a pen i'm sorry most of them
3: <laughs> don't worry pete there's two of them laying on the table in front of him right now i, I make sure yeah, there's ample exactly. here in the room
4: right yeah but yeah exactly it's just for some reason when he goes up in the booth yeah he just doesn't have, there's no there's no room jay in those fancy you know suits and stuff for a pen
2: Hey, you got to look good. You can't have lines in them. You got to look good. See, Jay Jay is looking out for the team here in which we need to talk more (laughs) about the team because this Vikings team is selecting right now 12 overall in the draft. And like Quasi said earlier this week, if you were selecting 12, you have to know 12 names off the top of your head that you could select. And the Vikings, they have a plan for who they want to select. But Pete, if you were the GM, and you were selecting yeah. the twelfth overall pick for the Vikings. Who would you pick, and why?
4: Well, I mean, if you want, you know, if you want names, you know, Derek Stingley Jr. is definitely a guy who not only is checks a number of boxes in that in that respect. He's worthy of that pick, I would think. And you know, unless there's something about him I don't know, which he'd very well be. Hmm. Um, and at the same time, you know, there's a few positions on this team where. Uh, a number twelve pick is is going to be an immediate starter. One of which is cornerback. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one, safety. You know, another one is uh, interior defensive tackle because we need three, not just two. You, know, you can play a four man front, but yeah. um, Donatel likes to also play with five men up front. Um, and I was thinking, edge rusher may not start on first and second down, um, but you got to give Zadarius Smith and you know and every, and Danielle Hunter a break. And I think uh, Zadarius Smith is a much more effective pass rusher. Uh, Well, I know I'd argue this point with anybody, but he's a much, much more effective interior pass rusher on third downs than he is from the edge. So I think that, you know, that position would fill a need as well. And then maybe, you know, maybe right guard, but you know, right guard, is there, is there a pick in this draft? That's a guard that should be top 12 overall. You know, I don't think so. So, looking at it from, from those things, Stingley makes, you know, a lot of sense. And the other ones would, would as well, Kyle Hamilton, I've seen him, you you see him on boards everywhere from one to 14. It's Mm -hmm. like, okay, can we, you know, can we figure this thing out? And then uh, Jermaine Johnson outside linebacker from, uh, you know, from Florida state, I think he's, he's an explosive player. And I think that's kind of the thing, the physicality of it that, isn't always you know you look at the bears back when donatel was there and you look at the broncos and you know he talks about being physical and setting the edge you know what does that mean right what does that mean that just means that no tight end is going to be able to block one of our outside linebackers it's just it's just not 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 the case even two of them i mean they need to be able to hold up and set the edge and not be pushed outside it makes all those gaps you're trying to defend bigger. Mm. So you got to have someone out there who's, who's violent and who's physical. And I think Johnson, you know, is that guy as well. He's very strong, um, very physical. And, you know, so of the, of the names that I've seen um, haven't done a lot of deep dives on offense as far as receiver and those things go, but those three guys stand out to me is, you know, if we come away with any one of those three um, I'd be, you know, I'd, would be happy until I see him in the preseason and I have the right to change my mind.
2: (laughs) I think a lot of people, similar to to, to yourself, are saying the defensive side of the ball, which, you know, Hamilton, Stingley, and Jermaine Johnson both play on the defensive side of the ball, and I think you can plug and play those guys in immediately, but not really many people are talking about the day two and day three needs. What other positions should the Vikings address with those two days in mind, those uh, seven or eight picks later?
4: He brought in uh, a number of veteran free agent, interior offensive linemen. Um, so if nothing occurs there, um, you know, I think you'll be, you'll be, you'll be okay. But if there's a center or a guard staring you in the face in the second round that you really like, by all means, um, you adapt depth at wide receiver position. Um, I think we saw that last year with Thielen being out as much as he was, uh, you, you know, you, you want to have somebody in there that brings a little different skill set maybe than Thielen, you know, Thielen does and, or, you know, Jefferson meaning kind of a a slot wiggle guy across the middle, a guy that's kind of a hybrid, you know, some running and some reverses and things like that. So someone who's not necessarily so big and durable, but explosive, you know, and then again, defensively uh, depth at linebacker, you know, depth at linebacker, I think you need. And we talked about some of the other positions where, you you know, you can get it, you can get a day one starter and, you know, I think the other thing too is is just who's gonna be the backup running back. You know, who's going to take that spot? I think Alexander Madison has had plenty of if you wanna take some snaps off of Dalvin, then you need someone back there that can not only run but also pass protect, which means you gotta know protections. And in this offense as we've seen, they they do a lot with the running back out of the backfield. So and you can find some really good running backs and linebackers, I'm telling you, you know, the way it sounds at yep. you know rounds three and four and stuff like that. So uh, those positions can be addressed, but later.
2: I know you'll have a lot of analysis, a lot of takes, and once the season rolls around, you get a chance to watch them in person, unfortunately, beside me. So looking forward to our time <laughs> together between now and then. Appreciate you.
4: What are you talking about? You'll be riding around in a golf cart with the GM. I won't even see you. <laughs>
2: Appreciate you, Pete. Thank you, Pete. <laughs> All, right, man, we'll see you. All right, Ron Johnson is here. If you don't know Ron Johnson. You probably should watch more Vikings content because he's been on a lot. He's going to be on a lot more this upcoming week. We have a lot of Vikings draft reactions on vikings.com every single night this weekend. So Ron Johnson, myself, will be doing that on top of the Minnesota Vikings podcast every night with Jay Nelson and a couple other analysts. So uh, stay tuned. But, Ron, before we get there, the Vikings are selecting 12th overall as of right now as we speak. If you were Quasi Adolfo Mensa, who would you select with the 12th overall pick?
5: Well, I'm going with Stingley Jr. And and the reason why I'm in, him, in on him now from LSU, um, I, I like so many. So I'm, I'm big in, like, signs. And if you look at all the signs, you got Patrick Peterson who came back, LSU kid. You got Justin Jefferson killing it, LSU kid. You got Daniel Hunter, LSU. And so, and you got the former DB coach, LSU. So what that does is it creates an, an automatic feeling. And I remember being a rookie with the Baltimore Ravens and walking into that locker room, knowing Bart Scott already because Bart Scott was from Detroit, knowing Javen Hunter because he's from Detroit, and Chester Taylor, all of us were – picked up by the Ravens that year drafted or free agent we were all from Detroit we all knew each other so it was a comfortable start where as our rookie group of 12 rookies four of us were already friends so we kind of created the uh, the immediate circle where uh Air Reed was hanging out with us uh Anthony Weaver was my roommate and then all of a sudden Will Demps wants to hang out with us and Terry Jones from Alabama and so we just all became like a quick group quick knit group of uh, rookies and I think that's what that's going to add for Stingley Jr. coming here knowing that he knows these guys he's played with Justin Jefferson and it's an easy pick I think that's what I would do with 12 Um, when you look at the injury if he's not injured he's probably in the top seven that's the thing without the injury he's probably a lock in the top 10 pick that he's injured people are questioning that foot is he going to be able to play and if the Vikings get him at 12 and, and all the trainers have checked him out, the surgeons have said he's fine, I would say it's a steal at 12 because he's a kid that probably goes higher if not for that injury.
2: Like a lot of people are saying, Bucky Brooks said it earlier this week that he doesn't think Stingley's going to be here because people are starting to say that foot injury is good and, and scouts are starting to buy in on that. So who would be your your backup plan or your, the next guy, the best player available for you if, if Stingley is gone in the top ten?
5: Well, if I'm Vikings fans, I'm tweeting out I don't know about that foot just to deter some of these GMs that are looking at Twitter. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Andrew Booth Jr., you know, you can't go wrong there. I honestly I, – I like Tyre Elam if you were to drop that. Mm-hmm. Um The Steelers are looking for a quarterback. If you somehow can scare them into thinking that somebody before their pick, so 16, 17, 18, somebody in there, 15 even – that they're going to take their guy, which their guy probably is the quarterback out of pit. And if they think that somebody's going to take him, maybe they want to talk to teams that are up and they want to get that 12. And for them to take the 12 from the Vikings, give the Vikings 20, uh, give the Vikings a second-round pick, and then the Vikings give them a higher third-round pick and they drop back in the third with the Pittsburgh Steelers' third-round pick, I don't see why not. I mean, that seems like an easy one. You jump eight picks, you give up your second, and then you jump up in the third and the Vikings drop back in the third, it kind of is fair for everybody. The Vikings get who they want at 20, which could still have another corner out there. I think Cam Dantzler is going to be fine in this new scheme because in the 3-4, there's going to be a lot of zone shells in the 3-4, and I think a coach um, that can get to him and be you know in his ear, not having Zimmer you know really confusing him with a lot of changes in calls, I don't see why you wouldn't go that. And then you can have a guy like Kyra Elam at 6-2 who is really good, can be play press zone, long arms, cover a lot of area, you can grow him up in this and, and he can learn from Patrick Peterson. Day
2: two, who will be your top two or three positions of need that the Vikings should address specifically on day two?
5: I mean, you look at tight end. You know, Are they completely sold on Irv Smith? Is he healthy? Is he going to be able to come back and go? There's not really a top guy there. You look at some of the guys in the later rounds that could give you some production process. You got Jeremy Rucker out of Ohio State. You got Trey McBride out of Colorado State. Um, There's a guy I covered who can be even in the later, later rounds, um, Cole Turner out of Nevada. Mm. Now, he's a kid that played receiver. He, you know, wasn't fast enough to play receiver, 6'6", 246, basketball player, just learning how to play tight end like the last three years. So he's a raw 6'6", 246, he's young, When he gets that grown man's strength and body, he can get up to 255 probably, and he can out-jump everybody on the field. That's a guy that in the late rounds might one day, you know, you look back and be like, man, this kid, you know, has that Tony Gonzalez type of ability in the red zone. Not in open field just yet, but, you know, he's a sleeper that, you know, the Vikings – and I know they looked at Carson Strong, the quarterback, so his tight end had to pop up on film. So that's Mm -hmm. that's a tight end that they can add in the late rounds. I mean, they have him rated as, like, you know, top 200. So that's a fourth-round pick there. I mean, you can get this kid in the fourth, fifth round, and he can come in and probably, you know, be your second tight end with Irv. Uh, the only difference, though, he's not a blocker. So you're getting another pass-receiving tight end. Um, and that's going to be the question with Trey McBride, Jeremy Rucker. Those are more your blocking tight ends at both, you know, at 250, 6'4", 6'5". Uh, I know they brought in the kid from from the Rams. Uh, but, you know, I don't know if, if they think he's the guy or is he the blocker? Is that is they, Are they bringing that guy in because he's going to be a blocking tight end. Irv's going to be a passing tight end. You add another one because who knows down the road what's going to happen with Dalvin Cook and if this becomes less of a running back team and more of a true Rams team where you just go get any running back out there that <laughs> can give you 15, 20 carries.
2: Yeah, I know a lot of people are saying, you know, just address the offensive side of the ball and then just outscore everybody to to hell with what the defense looks like. So we'll see what the Vikings do there. But, Ron, appreciate your time today. Uh, Vikings fans, stay tuned. You will be seeing a lot of Ron and his takes all weekend this upcoming week.
5: Yeah, appreciate it.
2: All right, now it's a pleasure being joined by a guy who has been losing hair the past two days because of his two mock drafts that have him going crazy. I'm talking about former Vikings linebacker Ben Lieber, a good friend of mine, a good friend of the show, and Ben, I mean, the Vikings right now have the 12th overall pick, and I, I got off of social media the past couple of days as far as, like, reading it because everything's smoky mirrors right now. I know you have still been on social media. So right now with the 12th overall pick, what has you losing your hair, and who would you select?
6: Well, first of all, Dave, how would you know if I'm active on social media if you didn't, if you haven't been on social
2: media? I have a, a, I have people who knows people who has tw- who have Twitter accounts. Okay. He's going Twitter okay. adjacent, Ben. Twitter adjacent.
3: <laughs> Twitter by proxy. Twitter by proxy. I love it. He's not doing it, but he just pokes at somebody sitting next to him, saying, "Now what? You know, yeah. refresh, refresh." <laughs>
2: What's Twitter saying now? I gotta be off Twitter.
3: <laughs> yeah, don't tell
2: me, but uh, tell me.
6: Oh my gosh, you guys. It's been killing me because for this whole time I've just been a very much an innocent bystander watching everybody else do mock drafts and just sort of analyzing their analysis and like, oh, okay, that makes sense. That guy could be there. Either yay, either yay or nay, they're picked for the Vikings. Well, you know, lately I've actually put some pen to paper, put some thought to it and said, All right. I understand what everybody else is kind of thinking, but this is kind of what makes sense to me in the draft. And this is why I think that I, these mock drafts are going to go the way I think it's going to go. Thus leaving me with a ton of options for the Vikings at pick 12. So <laughs> I, guess, <laughs> I mean, I could see us going anywhere from one of the, one of the top three receivers, mm-hmm. um, which has picked up a lot of steam lately and does make a lot of sense Looking long term down the road and what this offense is going to look like with three receiver sets most of the time. We all know that Thielen's going to be, and he's going to be off the Vikings roster here in the next, you know, after next season or the season after. So you have to look long term at the wide receiver position. We all know that cornerback is probably the biggest position of need. And then I myself am more of a, hey, let's disrupt the passer to help our cornerbacks out. So I put edge rusher more at maybe a position of need, maybe even higher than the cornerbacks. So it kind of leaves you with a a ton of different questions and a ton of different players at 12. So are you guys going to put me on the spot and actually say, this is a guy that I I have to pick one guy. Name drop. You want a name. Here's what I'm going to go with, okay? And I want you guys to kind of hear me out on this. And this is a pie-in-the-sky, best-case scenario. I'm hoping that Trayvon Walker, mm. from Georgia, is there at 12. Now, people listening to this and say, Lever, you're so full of BS that there's no way he's going to be there because he's he's been touted to go in the top five. I mean, he has just climbed up the boards because of his, his very rare and raw athletic ability. And he's, he's a little bit positionless less as far as on the defensive line. They're like, just put him out there, and he's going to go out and make plays. Like, he has a super high ceiling, very athletic, all that. And so everybody's looking at potential with him. And they're like, we can't let a prospect like this slip away. Well, the reason I have him going and being available at 12 is because of a couple things. I don't think it's out of the question that the Lions, with the number two pick, they go wide receiver. mm and as much as everybody thinks is the deep wide receiver class, I still think there's a the top crema of the group that you want to select from. And they have desperate need and help at the wide receiver position, just like some other positions of need for them. I mean, yeah, they, they need linebacker help. They could use a corner as well. Um, but I think once their secondary gets healthy and going into the next season – why not grab the best wide receiver in the class? And I think that shakes a lot of things up. I actually, in my little mock draft, have them taking Garrett Wilson, who Mm -hmm. I think is the best wide receiver in the class. Um, And that kind of pushes things downward. I have the Panthers not waiting around to make trades uh, for quarterback. I have them selecting um, your guy, Willis, from Liberty. Why not? Why not take a guy – Matt rules on the hot seat. You've got a guy that um, can get out of trouble – even if the offensive line is not there, he has a escapability, huge arm. He's got an arm much, very similar to, to Cam Newton in his prime. So why not utilize that and bring a, a Cam-like figure back to Carolina?
2: I, I, I do not disagree with you, and I think that is the the most interesting part of this draft, right, because there's no clear-cut quarterback to be taken number one overall. So that's why there are so many conversations being had. But let's say Garrett Wilson does fall to the Vikings, and Kwesi Adolfo Mensah – Takes your advice and, and drafts Garrett Wilson. How does he fit on this team right now? That has Adam Thielen, JJ, uh, Mir Smith, Marset, KJ Osborne. Where, where, do, where does he fit in that?
6: I think right away because of draft position alone, hmm. um, the way that I think that he can get area, he can get open in a short area. I put him right there at the number, the number two slash three position. Hmm. You know, I. I think that's the beauty of having a guy like Adam Thielen, that he has position flexibility. You know, he lined up inside and outside his whole career. You know, you can line him up in the slot if you want to to go get some nickelback, and he's stronger than those guys, and he's going to create separation. He has the route savvy to be an outside wide receiver. So I think because of Thielen, you have position flexibility. You get a guy uh, like Garrett Wilson, who I think is the most Stefan Diggs-like in his route running and his approach and his body mechanics. That he can be, you know, a short area, short yardage possession type receiver. Even though he's not a super huge guy, he's got nice run after the catch. Um, I think he goes right into the starting lineup. Unfortunately, I think you know KJ and Smith marset kind of take a back seat and fight for that fourth position.
2: I mean, think about the Cowboys a couple of years ago with CD Lamb. They had Amari Cooper, uh, Michael Gallup. They had Noah Brown, other receivers that can make plays, and then they bring in and draft a guy in CD Lamb. You see how things shake up there. now Amari Cooper is in in Cleveland right now. And now I feel like everybody won in that situation. Granted, we know the Vikings still have bigger needs outside of the wide receiver position, but I'm glad you gave that analysis. But day two, day three, there are going to be a lot of more needs that the Vikings need to fulfill. What are some of those needs that the Vikings need to fulfill in day two and day three that maybe a lot of people aren't talking about right now?
6: Well, if you do get a guy like, Garrett Wilson, or let's just say that Drake London is there and that, and that's that they think that um, that's the better of the two or the best available wide receiver at that point that I think that you have to shift to the defensive side. And, and like I said, I'm, I'm all for edge rusher. I'm all for some type of guy that can disrupt the passer and really help those cornerbacks out. There's going to be some corners that you could take there, but I still think you have to solidify the edge. You have to still solidify the defensive front. And let's be honest, like, they gave Zadarius Smith basically a one-year deal. And it's basically a week-to-week thing because of his back injury. Now he says it's the healthiest he's ever been. It really wasn't that huge of a surgery and he's going to be fine. Can you count on him for 17 games? I don't think so. And even if he can be there for 17 games, why not have this unbelievable rotation and flexibility to move guys around move him to the inside where he's had a lot of success rushing the passer and having a different fresh you know, college kid on the outside, that's super dynamic as well. So I think that you have to address the, the edge and the pass rushing standpoint on defense. Can I ask you guys who are some of the other selections that other people have made?
3: Top-tier uh, pick so far has been Stingley Jr. with a side piece Jordan of, Davis. Uh, of uh, Davis, Hamilton, and uh, potentially Jermaine Johnson in there.
6: I, wow, I, I, so I'm the only one that potentially has, has Walker going there. Huh?
2: Yep. I, I've tra- I've changed my stance in the past like eight days, and I, I want us to get Garrett <laughs> Wilson now. So that's why I was like all on board with you um, last week on this show. I was like all – I'm still all in on Garrett Wilson. Like I don't think Stingley's going to be there personally. So if that's the case, well, just, uh, just outscore. That,
6: well, that's the crazy thing is, okay, well, even even if Garrett Wilson doesn't in my mock go number two of the Lions and they take a corner well, we I think we all think that both Stingley and Gardner have a a huge chance to be taken before they get to to twelve. Yep. That being said, I think the Falcons very much will take a wide receiver. So if they if they think that Garrett Wilson, even if one wide receiver is taken before us, then that leaves you with Jamison Williams, and that leaves you with Drake London. Yeah. Well, which one do you think is better? And if that's the case, then who else kind of fell in that reshuffling? And is that player better than? some of those wide receivers i i think there could be three wide receivers taken before us you know, Jet, the jets taking a corner the jet's taken a, a wide receiver and the falcons also taken a wide receiver Who's, who who knows
3: yeah and the, and i think the biggest wild card in there is does one of those quarterbacks go as well if that's the case it keeps pushing those guys down
6: there has to be a team that wants to take that has to take a, a quarterback i just i think there's yeah. too um there's too much writing on this to not take a chance at one of these quarterbacks. And I don't think there's going to be more than one. I think the Panthers right now have – they're sitting in the seat to take the top quarterback if they want, unless unless they truly have plans to make a, a draft day trade.
2: I know this isn't a hot take, but I do think Arthur Smith is on the hot seat too. So I could see the Falcons drafting a quarterback as well with the Panthers. Like The same thing you said about Matt Rule, I think you can say the same thing about Arthur Smith. It's like, dude, this thing isn't working. We're in a, we're arguably the worst division in football. Well, the the one of the worst divisions in football outside of the Buccaneers. So it's like, dude, it's either win now or you're gone.
6: I mean, I don't I don't think Marcus Mariota is the guy, and I think they obviously, obviously understand that. And you know, does somebody does somebody really package up something to try to get Garoppolo, who sounds like they're really really standing pat on the fact that he might he might be their their quarterback for next year as well. Yep. Doesn't sound like things are are developing for the young rookie. So, is that is that just grandstanding? Yeah. To try to get more equity or or what? You know. So it, it will be interesting to see if one of these teams makes a play for a veteran quarterback, and then everything just kind of gets reshuffled.
2: Very true. Appreciate you, Ben.
6: Uh, appreciate you guys. Enjoy.
2: All right, the Godfather, according to Jay, the Godfather of Gurus, the pertinent perfection of Paul Allen is finally joining the Minnesota Vikings podcast and Paul just from the video that you showed me well the two videos that you sent me your hair has turned black to gray between those two videos so clearly you're stressing out like Ben Lieber about this upcoming draft on Thursday
1: well I mean first of all dear friends you 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 were specifically directed to not share or talk about the videos I send you. But but that's okay. I thought that was between friends. Um, and being the play by play voice for the Minnesota Vikings for twenty years, your your hair will go from a shade of black <laughs> to Michael McDonald white after some of these losses. So that's my lot in life and I accept it.
3: I can't believe we're not in love anymore, PA.
1: Well uh, well we're not in love anymore because you're sharing my videos with the
3: public. I mean <laughs> come on man.
1: That's private stuff. I mean it's when you have an eyebrow that is Velcro <laughs> and it doubles as a mustache. That's between us.
2: <laughs> well, I, I feel like when, when when you go on your nine to new radio show on KFAN every morning, or the morning that I was there, and you tell them about the outfit that I sent you the night that Carolina played Kansas and lost, I feel like this is fair game. No?
1: <laughs> no, I understand. I mean, you wearing those uh, those baby blue Tar Heel jammies? <laughs> that's about the cutest thing I've seen you see but um recently on nine to noon um i ripped you a little bit uh and the vikings entertainment network and and i mean these are long-standing love affairs that i've had with with jay nelson curly Harris, jordan struck and allen and so on and so on but you know gabe's a little newer to the situation and he's persistent and he's just beating me down for my pick at 12 and i'm like the eagle hasn't landed and (laughs) How are you supposed to soar with eagles when you fly with turkeys? But the the Vikings Entertainment Network is relentless, so they're pounding on the announcer for a prediction.
3: I'll speak for everybody you just named, Gobble Gobble. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now you're voyaging with Vikings,
2: and the Vikings have the 12th overall pick. And PA, if you were the GM of the Vikings, where is your mindset and who would you select? Well, if I was
1: the GM of the Minnesota Vikings with that newfangled pay, I'd first probably move. Uh, Then secondly, I'd probably get a different car. Uh, Then thirdly, um, I would rub my temples and channel my inner great football mind. And I would say, Okay, I I don't think the LSU corner Stingley is going to be there. Um, I do not believe Oregon uh, edge guy Thibodeau is going to be there. The team right in front of me, the team with whom you used to work, and when you worked at the REN, well, they ain't taking defense. They're taking offense. So they might get Mm -hmm. a guy that I want. But nevertheless, with uh, the margin rules and the algorithms and the analytics, it all adds up to Garrett Wilson, Mm. wide receiver, the Ohio State and Cousins, pumps, fires left, caught Wilson. (laughs) <laughs> oh, shit, on Jair Alexander, and there he goes.
2: I've been on the same train as UPA talking about Garrett Wilson over like the past eight or nine days. I've been saying, all right, well, maybe we should just spread this thing out and just outscore opponents. It'll help sell tickets. I mean, we're putting up 55 a game. It's 55 to 48. A win is a win. Call it right. however you may see fit. How do you but see him fitting see, here, though? Go ahead.
1: I mean, I ain't trying to disrespect the MVP podcast, but, I mean, it's very hard when when your general manager is new and your head coach is new, and you got no past performances. So, therefore, this is kind of by football faith. But the way I'm looking at it is the, the Minnesota Vikings allocated so so many assets to defense in the offseason, and what they did with the offensive line with the Miami Cat and Chris Reed, I, I think they believe they got their starting guard from one of those guys or maybe Ole Udo. Okay, so now I just start eliminating positions. And then I think about with with the money Daniil got and Zadarius Smith, they bring back Peterson, uh, Chandon Sullivan, you had to pay him, Harrison uh, Harrison Phillips, you had to pay him. So then we're just going to roll in here at 12 or whatever and just go defense? I I just don't see it that way. And your head coach obviously has an offensive mind. And, you know, the Rams, they're not afraid to go four wide. So, you know, J.J. Thielen, big year for Osborne, (laughs) Irv on the comeback. I think we need another high ender mm. and I like Garrett Wilson for his short to intermediate game mm. and then the yards after catch. So yeah, I'm on that kid.
2: Feel free to give names if you want to for free, if you don't want to, but at what point on day two or day three, does the priority raise for addressing a defensive guy since you go offense on day one,
1: you know, it's cliched best player available and mm. with Quasey and his press conference that he had on Tuesday, with um, uh, with the media and man, I really liked how he laid out when he said, you know, this is not about us honing in on one guy. If we hone in on one guy, then it's going to be kind of gloomy up and down the draft. <laughs> so therefore, they got a handful with the algorithms and the point system that leads you to multiple players. Um, and 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 now moving forward with Friday rounds two and three, and then Saturday rounds four on. Um, I need I need. I need linebackers. I need linebackers who can play special teams and play it well. Because, mm. you know, Daniil, Zadarius, Kendricks, Hicks, and that's if they, you know, if and or when they go 3-4, ain't none of those guys playing being special team-specific kind of guys. So you got this Chanel cat from uh, from Wisconsin I like a lot. Uh, there's a Troy Anderson from Montana State that I like a lot. Um, you know, so I'm thinking linebackers who okay. also can start special teams. And, you know, they're, they're not going to play 3-4 every single mm-hmm. down, and, and when they get to nickel or when they run a little 4-3, I still think we need a three technique who can wreak havoc. So, you know, a defensive tackle who's a three technique, linebackers, absolutely a corner or two. And uh, then offensively, um, we, I think we need a swing tackle, you know, somebody to play the Rashad Hill role. Uh, Daniel Falele from Minnesota. Uh, I know it's kind of a homerific type uh, type selection, but it's actually not because I've just watched him. You know, a kid who who started playing football less than 10 years ago, and now, now he's probably going to be drafted in the first two days. So he's getting good in a hurry, and he, he can help you with swing tackle. So that's kind of where
3: I am. That is a mountain of a man, too. Falele is a big, big boy. I mean, you could just imagine uh, the offensive line coaches watching that guy walk in the door here and thinking, you know, I got a great piece of clay to work with.
1: Right, and, you know, and the beauty of it is, Ezra jumped out of his skin last year, and I believe even with kind of a schematic change a little bit, uh, that he's only going to improve. And he, he was the bomb in college. So, I mean, seriously, he's supposed to get good in a hurry at any position, so I count on him. The, the tackles tandem of Derrissaw and O'Neill, you know, when Christian plays three, four, five, six, seven games in a row, and we know where O'Neill stands already, mm-hmm. this is going to be one of the five best tackle tandem, tackles Easily. tandem in the, in the NFL. So, you know, they're not playing from behind with these offensive line draft picks. All.
3: And if you had a guy like Falele, who actually did work his way into the starting lineup, you'd have... Guard tackle combinations there with guys that were six six or taller for all four positions. That's crazy. Right. That's insane. Yeah,
1: which means, uh, which means, if Memphis happens to beat the Wolves in uh, the postseason, <laughs> then we can get our offensive line together and scrimmage the Timberwolves because we've got all these tall guys.
2: Well, Brian O'Neill is the Delaware basketball player, Gatorade player of the year in high school. So at least we got a big that's six six that can slash, and yeah. then just put the other guys on the wing and tell them to shoot if they can.
1: I think it's akin to elite slot receivers who played <laughs> collegiately at Liberty,
2: <laughs> or quarterback because they got a guy that's named Malik Willis. And I never had a chance to, to catch any footballs from him. Maybe, maybe I'll be playing football somewhere. But I'm glad I'm not doing it anymore. I'm glad these headaches are gone and my body feels great. So I'm happy to be a part of the VN crew and be on Nine and New every now and then with you. But how do you view success for the Vikings on draft weekend? How do you view short-term success? for this Minnesota Vikings team coming out of the weekend?
1: From a draft standpoint, From short-term a- success is um, is taking uh, what is a good to very good offense and making it very good to elite every single week. Um, I truly believe Kirk and O'Connell are really going to click with each other. And, um, and I think that, that we're going to get – Kirk has improved every single year he's played here. And so that means there's no reason to believe there won't be an improvement again this year. So that means taking what is good to very good and making it very good to elite and fortifying this offense and making, it base, and making it as close to unstoppable as you can. And then secondly, it's getting players who can help you on special teams and with that front seven for when you run a 4-3 or a 3-4 can just keep coming at you in waves. And and that means linebackers. That means three techniques. Uh, defensive end. I feel pretty good about it in a four or three. Uh, but it's just getting players who can help you now and fit what you want to do and are scholarly. I mean, it's it, the brain power within this organization is pretty high. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to Kwesi Adolfo Mensa, Kevin O'Connell, and a lot of people who are working, including including Ryan Rickson, immediately with the draft. So I bet you that they draft a lot of scholars of the game yep. who may not be as fast or as strong as everybody else, but they don't make as many mistakes. And if if you can get players who minimize mistakes, that's how you win Super Bowls.
2: And I can only imagine, you know, the the pursuit of that process of getting these young guys in with these older guys or guys with wisdom that's already done it and seeing how all that meshes similar to how putting you and Jay on a podcast with me, having you guys to make me better, how it all will mesh to the ultimate goal. So PA appreciate your time today.
1: You're right. But with that podcast piece, I mean, you're the one that brings it in and brings it out. So clearly we, we may be the geezers and we, we may be the elder statesman of the podcast, but when it comes to the MVP, that's the kid, that's Gabe Henderson. <laughs>
2: P.A., I know you're driving. hope you're not texting. But appreciate you talking to us while you're on the road. Appreciate you, P.A. Always great to talk to our – I'm going to say my guys. Jay, you've known these guys longer than I have. But always good to hear these guys' insight just coming into the draft and then their reaction when the draft is over. So always great insights from these guys. A lot of surprises, in my opinion, from from especially Ben Lieber with,
3: with some of his picks. I think the thing about Lieber's picks is you could tell just how much he's agonizing over <laughs> all of this, just how how much time and effort, and and he prides himself on being able to get it right. Yep. So I can't fault him for that. But but I think with all four of these guys, the thing that you really realize is there are some some top tier names that everyone wants to see or is talking about that they think is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then, again, kind of the the Adrian piece of the pie in the sky of what happens if a Trayvon Walker falls down that board and actually comes to you at 12. So the idea with all of these guys is basically it's their way of saying, I think this is going to happen, mm-hmm. but nobody has a real true idea what the heck is really going to happen this weekend. Um, Those guys, I mean, they have, they have great opinions. They have great insights. And
2: like you said, with Lieber, he just wants to get it right. Like all these guys, they just want to get it right. But more importantly, they're, they're, they're excited just like we are.
3: They're all going through the exact same thing that we are. And the listeners are of just trying to read the tea leaves as much as possible. Mm. And ultimately you just don't know how things are graded out and the way all the different teams are graded out. But, in the end, everyone wants to see their team get better on draft weekend, being able to pick some top-tier blue-chip talent.
2: 48 hours and ticking to go before the newest member of the Minnesota Vikings would get selected in Las Vegas for our Roger Goodell. Vikings fans, stay tuned. We will have a podcast Thursday night following the draft. So looking forward to waking up with you guys and staying up late with you guys. In the meantime, for Jay Nelson, Paul Allen, Pete Burschitz, Ben Lieber, Ron Johnson – and the Hall of Famer John Randall. And for Tatum Everett, who's in Vegas right now, my name is Gabe Henderson. Thank you again for listening to another edition of the Minnesota Vikings podcast.